This episode of Sexy Marriage Radio is brought to you by the Sexy Marriage Radio Getaway, June 21st to the 24th in 2018. Come join us for four days of a getaway with you and your spouse and many other couples at the Marriott Solana just north of the DFW airport. Uh, if you join right now and register today, you get 50 bucks off because it's the last chance to have time to make all the plans to come join us June 21st to the 24th. It's going to be well worth your time, and we hope to see you there. You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex happens in the marriage bed. Here's your host, Dr. Corey Allen. Welcome to another episode of Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex is happening in the marriage bed. This is Dr. Corey Allen alongside my wife, as always. Hey, everybody. We're having straightforward, honest, no holds barred, fantastically fun and entertaining and educational and provocative and edgy conversations all at the same time on marriage and sex and all that that entails. We'd love to have it uh, have your voice on the air with us as well. You can join us by leaving a voicemail, 214-702-9565. Let us know what your questions are, any comments or topics you'd like us to cover, or even some praises for Sexy Marriage Radio 3.0, which we're now uh, in video again. How you doing right hey. there? Um, where we would love to hear from you and how things are going for you. Or you can send us an email, feedback at sexymarriageradio.com, which has been the inbox of inboxes for the last six and a half years. Six and a half great years. Absolutely. So it, the other thing that I would ask you to do is if you like what's going on here and you're watching on YouTube, leave a comment. Uh, help spread yeah. the word. If you like it and you're listening to us through the normal podcasting experience, uh, leave some sort of comment and review on iTunes. That helps us climb the charts and spread the word that married sex is the hottest sex out there. And so speaking of sex, there's some research that just came out on how older Americans are talking about sex a whole lot less overall. Talking about sex with uh, their spouse, their partner, or just, just in general in with general, their friends? Uh, the, the research that came out just recently within the last two months uh, is talking about how overall there's, it's just not a topic of conversation, even with their healthcare providers. That there, it's not being talked about, and what's interesting about that phenomenon is the fact that um, there are, because of Viva Viagra and a lot of other things, there's still a lot of sex happening in the later years in the nursing homes <laughs> and in the different populations where they are found. As far as the people that are well past the retirement, and you would maybe even think fully fun- sexually functioning age. There is. It's funny. You you just made me think of when grandma was in the retirement home and there was a guy that always walked around in his cowboy. He had a, this he had this blue suit. He had it going on. He had it going on wearing his cowboy hat and his boots and he was a resident, but he knew all the ladies. <laughs> and he had it going on. Yes. Anyway, sidetrack. Yeah, no, that I get it. But, but that's kind of a but, case, the exhibit A, if you will. Right. But what they're finding is... 
the the problem is that even sometimes uh, their medical professionals, their the doctors are not bringing it up with their patients when they're in their elder years, which can okay. be an issue, because they're and and they they say they don't ask about it because they're afraid to offend them. The doctor is afraid to yes, offend. Isn't that their job to make sure they're medically sound? That's though? kind of my thought. <laughs> kind of the because the biggest I'm going to the doc. The biggest problem that this can present is the fact that uh, a lot of the American population, and for sure a lot of the elder population, they're on a lot of meds. Uh, yeah, I mean, especially here in the U.S., I mean, it's the most heavily medicated country in the world, right? Right, right. And so it's one of those that even if, and this is what was really good from this research and the article that was kind of expounding it, uh, what was really good about it is they talk about not only are they on a lot of medication, they can also be on a lot of supplemental, you know, non-prescription mm. supplements. Right, that which, the doctor wouldn't necessarily know about for right. medical and history. Right, so if they're not asked what's going on and how are they with their sex life and are they happy with things or are things functioning the way you would hope or wherever that might lead, then they don't know what kind of interaction any kind of meds or supplements could be having because supplements could impact medication that you're on Supplements sure could also even have impact on sexual function. I mean, it's less likely because it's usually more natural in general, but there's still, there's still importance to recognizing, okay, this is a holistic approach of my life and my sexuality is a part of it. And if I'm sexually functioning, then I need to be having those conversations. Uh, yeah, absolutely you do. You got to have those conversations. You got to think about, okay, I may be on a tangent a, a weird little thing here, but I even think of um, some friends of ours that went through cancer. He had cancer. Mm -hmm. And this is someone who was communicating well with his doctor. Okay. Because he was asking specifically to the doctor, can I still have sex with my wife? Right. Because the treatments that I'm going to be going through with the chemo and other things, he was concerned that the semen would potentially cause problems for his spouse. Right, because you're talking about transmission of bodily fluids. Right. And, and it's, our body is not compartmentalized in a lot of ways. Right. So, you know, I mean, those, mm -hmm. are, those are valid questions Absolutely. To, ask, to ask your doctor. And so, you know, that's, that's an, you know, a cancer example. But if, if you're dealing with just you've got other meds that you're taking on a regular basis how are those things affecting it right and that's where so this then dovetails or helps us pivot to a different larger topic for the today's show because not only is it important that we be talking about sex with our primary care physicians especially if i'm experiencing any kind of issues uh one, in the sexual component and category of my life, because there's a lot of times where I've come across clients where they're having ED issues or premature ejaculation issues or uh, they can't, their vagina's not lubricating or they're having these different issues that come yeah. up and they're not even talking to it about with their, with their doc. Hmm. And it's like, okay, well, we're we just supposed to, oh, well, I guess this is just what it is. And so... Well, yeah, it's not it's not all mental. There's physical issues. Yes, here. there is. And the doc can be step number one. Yep. I mean, those could be simple solutions we could figure out. Right, right, and at least uh, paths for it because they're going to be versed in it and they have a history and maybe they then point you in 
specialists right. that can help you. That goes back to the pain and intercourse episode right. we did with the pelvic pelvic floor specialists. Right. Well, and I guess in saying that, I don't mean simple and that it's easy to fix, gotcha. but it could be something that is simple to diagnose and now you know what your path you're going to go on. Right. It, it may be hard to diagnose, but still, physical is physical. Yep. And so let's get that addressed. And so then that leads to talking about this whole uh, conversation about sex on having a conversation about sex with the person that you have this act with. Right. <laughs> Which is interesting because sometimes it's the most difficult person to have the conversation with. And why is that? Okay, let me give you the initial thought I've got okay. from this. Okay. A uh, lot of times I think it is because one, when we first met and we're getting into the relationship, it came very easily to have this conversation about sex because we were both, both, both people were just way into it and exi- excited and, you know, you're, you're painting this huge, big, glorious uh, well, picture. Well, back up a second. When, okay. you're, when you were dating and you first met someone, did you really have those conversations or did you just start in making out? Good point. I but mean, were, I, I were think the conversations be, actually there? I think they'd be. I think they would be concurrent. Okay. Okay. That there's because there is elements of you know you're you're talking about it and you're looking forward to it. and if you're coming from um, a abstinence kind of an approach where you know I'm going to save this for my relationship and my marriage because that's where I think marriage is where sex is sacred. That's what we believe here at Sexy Marriage Radio. That okay, so we're going to talk about what could be and where where it's going to go and it's. And it's fun, and it's playful, and it's banter, and it's erotic, and it's stimulating. Then you get into marriage, and you discover sex isn't all you thought it was going to be. Maybe there's more problems associated with it. Maybe there's issues. It's not. It doesn't come as easily as what's portrayed in the movies or right. TV. And it doesn't work like you thought it would. And so I think a lot of times our initial entry into conversations about sex are always wrought with tension and disappointment and frustration. That's when we have them. It's right after a bad experience that we want to unpack it and figure out why, where then the spouse, the other spouse is probably like, I don't know. And they legitimately don't know. And they're too defensive or tense or guilt or shame or something going on in their world that you're, it's really not a real fluid, lucid conversation. It's a lot of shutdown, defensiveness, demanding, blaming. So then, well, okay. So then, how do you typically guide a couple that's sitting in your office to actually get past that, to get to where it can be a constructive conversation? Okay. So one of the things I propose to a lot of couples that are in a major tense moment, particularly when sex is a factor in it and it's not good and it's not something that's holding them and bonding them together. Cause there are couples or sex is really pretty good, but they fight about other things and that's what the real problem is. So uh, on these couples, I refer to this as having regular state of the union conversations. Something scheduled. Yes. And it's something intentional. Uh, it's generally takes place best at lunch especially if you both work or if one works and the other is at home with children or at home just doing other things or whatever. But it, because the thing about going to lunch together to have these conversations is it's less likely you're really defensive right after an episode because okay. you've had a morning. 
you've had coffee, you've had work, you've had other things to get on your mind. Lunch means you're probably going someplace public, which I recommend, especially if it's pretty tense, because that helps us keep the lid and civility together, you know, so yeah, adds a little layer of respect. And then the other thing that's beautiful about lunch is there's a time limit because you each have to get back to whatever the afternoon is. So it can't be something that just lingers and is drawn out. It might mean you don't get a whole lot done, but that's okay. The point isn't necessarily to solve it all in one lunch. It's just we bring it up when it's not in the fire or in the flame of the major tension. Okay. So that's... I, for what I'm hearing there, that's people that would be coming into your office and maybe they're having a struggle over it. Right. They, or listeners of Sexy Marriage Radio and they're having a struggle it, with it. Right. Yep. So so anyone who's ha- in already in a tough spot, right? Maybe they're not communicating or not talking at all about it or they just don't like what the other one's saying. Mm-hmm. So then I guess I'm thinking of the other route of maybe there's some folks who just are kind of cruising along and it's not a tough spot for them. Right. But they just want to take it from good to great. Okay. I think the same uh, path can still apply because you can have a time where it's not going to be forthcoming in the sense of I share something with you I would like to add that spices up our relationship. You might be the type of woman, or if it, the reverse roles are, are true, I could be the type of man that I need a little time to warm up to that idea. I'm not somebody that's just like, oh, yeah, I've just been waiting so long for you to bring that up. Because that's kind of what we fall victim to a lot of times. Sit back and waiting? Well, no, it's, I think we have this belief, or our, maybe not even a belief, it's a hope that our spouse is just waiting for us to spice it up. And that, like, they're going to stand up and applaud when I suggest something new. Depending on what it is, I might. Well, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> but I hear what but you're saying. But typically speaking, everybody, we reach this level of comfort and plateau, and there's a reason behind that. And it's because it's comfortable, and I'm not stretched, sure. and I'm not challenged, and I don't have to deal with guilt and fulfilling, and am I enough, and all that kind of baggage that comes along with this. So a lot of times, I mean, this is one of the things I say uh, in um, Married Life 911 and in Naked Marriage, uh, and that just that whole idea of when I suggest something that I would like to do that changes up our dynamic, maritally speaking, it's, li- it's not very likely that my other, the other spouse is going to stand up and applaud. Hmm. They're usually going, okay, what's this going to require of me? Yeah, it, it's going to... Change my routine, mm-hmm. change my comfort zone. Right. Okay. It's like, so let's go a different topic or for the same kind of point. It's like if I came along and said, okay, Pam, you know what? I decided I, I, I'm going to take a new job. It's going to be in sales and I'm going to be traveling. Oh. You know, so now all of a sudden it's, <laughs> it, it just shifted the dynamic of how it's going to impact you. And your brain immediately goes to, Okay, how does this impact me? Even exactly. though maybe I'm a guy that's lifelong, all I've wanted to ever do is be a, a, a door-to-door, on-the-road salesman. That just sends <laughs> chills down my spine, I'm just saying right now. Well, okay. And that's just on a job. Now talk about it when we layer this whole concept on the, on the idea of sex and intimacy and how close to home that hits us. Yeah. So that just magnifies the tension already there. 
and how it's going to impact me. And it could be one of those. It's like, you know what? I'm maybe I need a little bit of time. So lunch allows time to warm up for it. Okay. And it also allows time for banter back and forth. You know, it could be, okay, so after we're each left the call, the State of the Union lunch, and it's like, you know what, I think that's really good. And now all of a sudden we've got a new avenue to explore together to build up towards. And that's kind of that idea of interweaving our initiation and the playfulness of our sex into our everyday life. Yeah. And I think that's how you go from good to great. That's a component of it, at least. Okay. But one of the interesting things about some of the further research, after I saw this, seniors are not talking about sex as much overall, that led to a couple of different articles that referred to different research that talked about how the couples that repeatedly report the greatest levels of sexual and marital satisfaction, specifically marital satisfaction, the two factors they found that really that stood out on this research was they talk about sex and they have sex with each other. Let's let's kind of add that caveat. With each other, yes. Marital satisfaction hopefully <laughs> is tied to having sex with your spouse. Correct. And that, I mean, that makes total sense to me. How so? Just from personal experience. Okay. Right? When there's a... A gap in time with for whatever reason, there is a there is a disconnect that tends to be enhanced because there's not been this act of being intimate together mm-hmm. um, and, and really intimate in a number of different ways. Right. Right. It, when that's missing, there's there's something that just not clicking within the relationship. And it seems when that union comes together. Um, there, I don't know. It's it's a refreshing, it's a renewing of of the connection between the two of us that kind of makes things whole again. Okay, and that's kind of an interesting because as I'm listening to you explain that, I'm thinking of what immediately comes to my mind is if you think of the components of a relationship, you could almost put it in a pie chart. So you've got. Um, household management, you've got roles as parents, you've got roles as in your professional life, you've got friendship as a component, you've got sex. You know, that's what that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Okay. But I don't think that works because what you just described is our sexuality is interwoven through all of that. Our friendship is interwoven through all of that. They're not categories. It's almost like layers that are all completely interwoven. They they are, you know. I think of it. An, an old minister at our church didn't have it as a pie, as a pie chart. He had it as these circles that all kind of linked around. And when one of those circles is taken okay. out, when one of those kind of boundaries of your relationship circle is taken out, something else fills it in. Right. And but it's obvious that that piece of the puzzle. Um, is clearly missing, and now this other thing is coming in and taking up just too much space in your life. Right. And and things are off balance. Right. They get off kilter. Right. And and I think where, what happens is, and this is, an, this is a pretty common occurrence of an email that comes to feedback at sexymarriageradio.com, is I want to bring up the conversation. I want to talk about an issue. I want to talk about or suggest something that... Uh, could go on but 
my spouse shuts me down. They won't talk about it. They don't want to, you know, and, it, and it's just kind of this edict that's been given over the course of time so that it, sh- it would say that's off limits, right? Because they won't go there. They won't continue the collaboration or the banter. And so that leaves the higher desire partner in the context of, I want to have more conversations about this topic in our sex life. So they, they then feel powerless, because yeah. I can't bring it up. And that's that's one of the things that I often get. And now what I've gotten to where is if I get an email that comes in that regard, one immediately comes to my mind that says, yeah, she shut it down. She said I, that's off limits. She won't talk about it, blah, blah, you know, and just kind of filled it all in. And I said, and my reply back to him was, so did she take your tongue and your mouth and your vocal cords completely? Because... Last I checked, you can still determine what you talk about, what you bring up, what you want to initiate. Truly. And I realize that might mean I'm banging my head against the wall against somebody that has said, no, I don't want to talk about that. But maybe there's a different way I could bring it up. Maybe there's a different thing I could say or different context that I bring this up. Yeah. And that then changes the the conversation. Possibly. Possibly. So it's. It's just recognizing that this is a power, this is a gridlock issue is what we're talking about. Because typically one of you is a higher desire than the other and wanting to talk even about it. And usually they're probably going to go hand in hand on, I want to talk about sex more and I want to have sex more. They're probably both the same person in the higher desire. Yeah, yeah, that would make sense. But the point would be, how do I figure out how to bring it up? how to initiate that conversation. And that's where sometimes this idea of the state of the union can help because then it's a, I mean, you and I have done this several times in our marriage of just how are we, where are we, what's going on? How was the year? This is a pretty, this is our anniversary night conversation actually. Yeah. Typically (laughs) that we would have of where were we this past year? What was good? What was bad? Where do we want to go? Yeah. And it's kind of a little chance for both of us to check in on the state of us and our perception of it. But it's still it's recognizing you can interweave it that way into part of the conversation. But then I think it's also important, and this might seem counterintuitive, so tell me if I'm off base. Okay. If I'm the higher desire partner in a marriage and I want to initiate more conversations about our sex life because I have the belief that if we talk about it more, we're going to have more, which is true, then... One of the ways I need to do that, especially if this has been a gridlock issue and a lot of sexlessness has been going on in our relationship, I need to focus on other aspects of our relationship too. I can't just be hyper vigilant about just this one topic. Well, I think that's spot on. Um, If you're... wouldn't Wouldn't it be that if you're in a sexless relationship pretty much sexless it's not just about the sex okay there's whether it be physical or some other dynamic between the two of you there's something else going on there too okay or or you're just putting off the lower desire spouse because that's all you want to talk about right and that's It's like a one-track mind is that kind of where you're going with it right i think that that's what happens is because how often do when we've got something wrong in our life it we become hyper focused on it because i want to just fix that problem (laughs) i want to solve that issue 
right? Yeah. And so it's hard to get it <laughs> out of your head. And so the counterintuitive approach is, okay, so if I want to enhance our sex life or my sex life, let's just, because that's what I have more power over. Okay. Then maybe I need to figure out how do I implement more opportunities for our friendship to be enhanced and increased for the fun in our relationship to be enhanced and increased knowing sex could be shortly behind all of that at least the conversations about it could be you're 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 getting yourself off of a one track mind right typically and making yourself seem more desirable right because you can think about and look at other aspects of life and that gives more abundance right no exactly and so i think that a lot of times too couples run into this what is the right way to frame this conversation right how do i how do i say the right thing because everything else i've said has been wrong because a lot of times what i've said has been based on you don't do this or you always do that or those kinds of things okay yeah and so I need to flip that script and one, I need to start being more positive about it. Okay. About our, about our relationship. And maybe it's not just sex. Maybe it's a subtlety of, you know, when you replied to that text in this manner, I, that spoke to the deeper parts of me. I liked that. That even created a little tingle. It's, it's interesting. You bring that up. One of the other articles that, that came up from this, um, talking about satisfaction in marriage, mm-hmm. satisfaction in your sexual relationship, but also in the marriage and happiness. And it, it it's really correlates um, happiness with the, the, the amount of sex you're having. Right. It's the top question. They talked about the importance of communication and talking about this. And the, um, the top thing that they said to do was to praise your partner for something they did in bed. Item number one, Okay. praise them for something they did in bed. Now you're talking about positive things elsewhere as well. Yes. But when you have this communication, when you are on the sex topic, think about positive things they did in bed that you liked. And that's an encouragement to them of what to stick to as well. Yeah. I would, I would apply that to think about the positive things in the entire categories of our relationship, the touch, the banter, the looks, the phraseology, the help, the support, the little things, the sweet nothings, the, Mm -hmm. all of that. I think that spills into our sex life and, and that makes a bigger component or it, it helps make that segue into the bigger issue easier. Okay, so the other thing, and this is something we've said on Sexy Marriage Radio a lot, is don't take it personally. Which How do you very not take it personal when your spouse is maybe coming at you negatively? I guess that's because you're maybe you do step one first. It's all positive. Well, <laughs> but you know, sure. How do you keep from taking it personal when when it's a real, it's about the two of you. <laughs> no, I, I get you. And so this is where the subtlety and nuance comes into play. And I'm going to I'm going to propose a couple of uh, uh, something for both sides of this equation. Okay. Okay. So this is for the person that's the higher desire for the conversations and for the sex and then also for the person that's having to figure out how to say no. Okay. So let's start there, too. Let's go reverse order. For the person that says no, 
let's go counterintuitive in the sense of how do you do this gently? Well, one of the things, this is something I mentioned early on in the Sexy Marriage Radio days of the, the banter you and I would have had at times where when you shifted it at one point, one point years and years ago of no, when I, well, I brought up, Hey, let's be interested in having sex or something, how the topic came up and you're like, no, but I could be. So it wasn't just a flat down, flat out. No, off the table, shut up, get out of here, leave. Instead it was, there's a possibility because that changes the whole connotation because to me, that then, that's a challenge. I can meet that challenge. Okay, it's a challenge, but but what if it's really a no because that's just not going to happen? And I don't want to even set the stage for you. Maybe I'm getting on a totally different topic here. But to be positive, to not take it personal, but really, tonight, it's a no. Okay. And sometimes that's the case. And that's where I think you've got to be. I'm not saying put it in a frame of no, but I could be when there's no chance. That's a game. Okay. Instead, I mean, one of the articles actually made a comment of an arousal scale of, hey, you interested in sex? And it's like, well, actually, right now I'm probably at about a one, which means I got no arousal, no interest. Might as well just let that ship sail on by. Or it could be, you know, I'm about a three. Okay, so maybe with the right circumstances and a little bit of time together and where I get a chance to focus on the relationship and some conversation and connection, that might make it a happen. Or a nine could be yes right now, right? And so it's it's really more for the person that's being pursued to ha- how do I grade myself on where am I really or is it just a no? Because sometimes the no just becomes easy when... It could have been there earlier in the day. And so maybe I need to mark those times and realize, wait, that is there is some interest there. And what was it that helped feed that? Okay, so that's on the one side. Okay. On the other side, the person that's the higher desire, now it turns into how do you not take these personally? Because to me, the importance is taking the hit and rejection better sets the stage for the possible yes next time. Because if I don't take it well, I definitely it's a self-fulfilling prophecy the next time, usually. Yeah, because then if you don't take it well, that's either whining, pouting, right. angry, something angry that, that makes you less desirable overall. Right, right. And so it, there's an element of I have to figure out, okay, hold on. How do I not take this personally when it is personal because I just got rejected? Well, I, I look at it as, well, I did just get rejected. But put it in context. Is there movement? Is there subtleties? Is there shifts in our connections? Is our shifts in our feelings and emotions about each other and the state of the relationship? Because if that's improved, then I'm on the course I want to be on long term. Okay. And that's where then I got to learn to be patient and realize this is a process because it doesn't just happen overnight. I mean, we probably didn't get into this issue overnight. It was a revolving kind of a thing. Sure. Or if you did get into it overnight, then it's a traumatic thing, and you could have some people that will help you alongside that too. Sure. And then the last thing is just the idea of figuring out how do I be better at speaking up. Mm. I think that's, that's an important one because too many times we just sit back and 
want the other person to know what it is we want or when exactly. we want to do it or how we want it to be done. And that they're not going to know that. It's funny you say that because, well, you're a smart guy. <laughs> so it's not that funny. Uh, but that was one of the other things that was brought up on the the connection of communication and happiness marital satisfaction and mm -hmm. frequency of sex mm -hmm. was that they shared, here's what I would want from my partner in the top five things. Yep. The first one was the one I mentioned earlier, but two of the others were, here's what I would want from my partner. And then asking your partner what they would like okay. as well. So it's, so a, it's I'm gonna, both of you speaking I want up. both sides of this. Yeah, and I'm encouraging you to speak up as well. It's not just about what I want. I want to do what you want. Right, right. Because this is a team game. This is a process that's unfolding. That we're in this thing together. That yeah. it's not me against you. No, even though a, team, a lot of times team. sex can feel that way. Because you've got what I want. Right? And sex alone isn't near as much fun as with a partner. So it's figuring out... Okay, this is a team. We're in this together. And so my hope would be, how do you look and notice and recognize the simple subtleties that might show shifts? It's not necessarily that now all of a sudden there's a lot of hot sex going on. It's more there's subtle shifts in our connection, in our conversation, in our touch, in our the magnetism between us. Yeah. And we get along better, and we parent better, and we run a house better. Because if I can see those things, to me, that then means I'm in a better direction for both of us. Yeah. And that gives us that gives us hope, which that's what Sexy Marriage Radio really is wanting to be all about. True. Is there's hope that we can change. Well, this has been Sexy Marriage Radio. If we left something undone, 214-702-9565. So wherever you are, whatever you've been doing, thanks for taking some time out of your day to spend it with us. <laughs>